Hey there, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Vegan Fitness. Before we dive in, I want to give another huge shout out to everyone who has liked, subscribed, reviewed, and shared our podcast. If you haven't, please make sure to do so. Also, check us out at kindfit.org, where you can find training sessions and routines starting at less than $11 per workout with 10% of profits always going to amazing animal, environmental, and human rights charities. That said, today we're going to talk the talk and walk the walk because we're getting into the exercise science behind leg training. As always, we'll discuss the basic makeup of your legs, exercises that have been scientifically proven to be the most beneficial, and answer some common questions about leg training. So, walk, run, jump, bike, step, climb, or do any other leg-based movement like, I don't know, rollerblading? Do people still do that? Doesn't matter. Let's start the show. Okay, so I'm sure you know there are a lot of muscles in the leg, from the rectus femoris and vastus lateralis to the peroneus longus and the soleus. But to keep things simple and approachable, we're going to break the leg down into three parts. Your quads, your hamstrings, and your calves. Now, if you're like, where's that butt though? Fear not, we have an entire episode dedicated to the glutes that you can find on your favorite podcast platform. Ready? Let's get a leg up on leg training. Kicking things off with the quadriceps, some of the strongest and leanest muscles in the human body. As many of you detectives out there have already deciphered, quad means four, and your quadriceps are comprised of the vastus lateralis, medialis, and intermedius, as well as erectus femoris. They are located at the front of the thigh and both flex the hip joint and help extend your leg. The hamstrings, or hammies as I like to call them, are comprised of three muscles located at the back of your leg, the bicep femoris, semimembranosus, and semitendinosus. One of those is easy to say. The hammies bend the knee and extend the hips, which are vital for things such as walking, running, and jumping. What about those calves? Well, calves are young cattle and are extremely adorable. Ha! But if we're talking about the calves... On your body, they make up the muscles of your lower legs and are pivotal to the movement of your ankles, feet, and toes. The calves are comprised of the gastrocnemius, soleus, and to a lesser extent, the plantaris, which, fun fact, only 90% of people have. In 2019, the European Journal of Translational Myology confirmed that multi-joint exercises such as the leg press and the squat provided greater strength increases than single-joint exercises such as the leg extension and curl. Now, that's not to say that single-joint exercises don't have their place. They definitely do, and we'll get more into that in just a bit. But first, let's talk about what's probably the most popular lower body exercise, the double leg or bilateral squat. Now, Trainers the world over will put their clients through rigorous squat regimens as if the squat were the only lower body exercise necessary to target the quads, hammies, and glutes. But that simply isn't true. In fact, there's a study from 2017 from the International Journal of Sports Physical Therapy that looked at quadricep and hamstring co-activation in healthy females with an eye toward protecting the ACL, a common area of injury with quad-dominant exercise. Exercises. What they found is that doing the double leg squat puts a bigger emphasis on the quads, while single leg squats, step ups, and even the stairmaster came out with an acceptable quad to hamstring activation ratio. Something to consider if time is tight and you want to hit both muscles simultaneously. 
But what if you have time to perform a full lower body routine? Then include those double leg squats, definitely. They are a powerhouse workout and they're great for targeting your quads, glutes, and hips. In fact, whether you're doing front or back squats, you're also engaging your core and yes, your hamstrings to a lesser degree and even your back. The key to performing a squat is to make sure your glutes are activated, for more on this, listen to episode three, that your knees are positioned to move in line with your toes, and that you're not flexing your lumbar spine or lifting your heels off the ground, and that you're using the right amount of weight. Too much will make your knees collapse in, your hips sway, and can cause significant injury to your spine. Too little won't provide enough of a challenge and won't give you the results you're looking for. I won't lie, squatting is the hardest exercise to get right, but When you do, it will be a game changer for your lower body. You know, except for those hamstrings. To target them, tackle some deadlift variations, including the stiff leg deadlift, Romanian deadlift, and single leg deadlift. And yes, we're getting into some single joint exercises here. And actually, talking about hamstrings, this is a great place to bring in that leg curl too. Whether you're going to use a machine or even a Swiss ball at home, a leg curl is a fantastic hamstring isolator that can be used as a finisher to really burn out your hammies and give you that development you're seeking. One of my favorite things about working the lower body is how many variations there are. You can perform back squats, front squats, sumo squats, Bulgarian split squats, deadlifts, hex deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, and so many more with a bar dumbbells, or a kettlebell, or even no weight at all, which is a great place to start while you're perfecting your technique. And we haven't even talked about all of the lunge variations, which you can do nearly anywhere and can accomplish basically the same thing as a squat while adding some additional stability perks as well as coordination and body symmetry. Whew, okay. As always, there's a lot to consider when picking your exercises. To whittle it down a bit, you're going to want to do some variation of a squat, or if you're unable to for some reason, leg press, as well as something that targets your hamstrings a bit more. The standard bodyweight squat is a great place to start, and widening your legs can help recruit your hamstrings and glute muscles. Supersetting those with a step-up or alternating lunge will give you a nice burn that targets the entirety of your upper leg. Then move on to a deadlift, perhaps a kettlebell deadlift to start, and superset that with a lateral walk, an exercise we discussed in episode 3. Your legs will definitely be feeling it the next day. Personally, I like to go a bit heavier with my initial exercise, targeting 6-8 to eight reps, then burn out with my superset, but it varies depending on your goal. If significant hypertrophy isn't something you're after, elevating your initial reps to the 8 to 10 range or even 10 to 12 range is a smart idea that can have some great benefits. Okay, so let's go ahead and take this down a notch, down to the calves. (laughs) The first thing I'll say is you want to train your gastrocnemius and soleus equally. Yes, the gastrocnemius is more visible, forming that nice bulge at the top of your calf, but the soleus is just as important. Now, the general rule is that you'll be focusing on your soleus if you're doing a seated calf raise and your gastrocnemius if you're standing. A fun way to give your calves a bit more of a workout is to perform donkey raises. Yes, I did say donkey raises. To complete a proper donkey raise, stand on something so that you have room to raise and lower your heels, then hinge at the hips and perform your calf raise routine. You'll get a great gastrocnemius workout that exceeds the typical standing calf raise, but you can also do these with a bit of a bent knee to hit the soleus. 
That said, the soleus exercise is a bit more of an advanced workout, and I don't generally recommend that one as, you, as it can't be loaded as heavy as the seated calf raise. Speaking of, don't feel the need to go super heavy on your calf raises. You can make sure you're getting a full range of motion and even a, sl a slight pause at the top to really keep your calves engaged and under tension without overloading the weight. Oh, and don't forget to incorporate some form of glute exercise as we discussed into your lower body workout. Remember, this episode is primarily focused on the quads, hamstrings, and calves, but we have an entire episode on glute training too. And mix it up. If you're doing an upper lower split, change your attack plan between your first and second lower body day. Maybe emphasizing your quads one day and your hamstrings on the other with plenty of glute and calf work in there too. It's a good way to achieve a symmetrical and well-rounded lower body, plus it keeps things from getting stale. Now on to some common lower body questions. First, should you start with compound movements like the squat or isolated movements like the leg extension? Okay, so this... This is a tough question, and I've heard fantastic arguments on both sides. Starting with heavy compound movements means you'll have more energy to, energy to tackle those moves and then can then um, use the isolated movements to burn out to the end of your workout. And on the flip side, I've studied with fitness experts who claim starting with isolated movements gets the blood pumping into your legs and can allow for a better compound workout with less chance of hip and knee injury later. I would say to mix it up. Uh, it's my personal opinion and to see what works best for you. But keep in mind that if you start with isolated movements, you're not going to want to burn out on those exercises. You want to make sure you're using them almost as an intense warm-up rather than a working set. That way, you're not compromising your heavier compound moves. I do like this question, though, and it might be one we tackle more in-depth later on. Is it better to go super heavy with less reps or lighter with more reps? Well, a 2015 article from Physiological Reports did find that greater strength and mass gains were found in subjects that trained with heavier loads and less reps over an eight-week period. It really depends on your ultimate goals, though. If you want to gain muscle and strength, then yes, going heavier with medium to low reps is a solid choice. If your goal is greater endurance, then lighter weight and more reps is the way to go. Is a free weight squat better than a Smith machine? This is a good question and one that a lot of people ask. A 2009 article from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research looked at this query and came up with the following answer. There was greater activation in the gastric nemius, biceps femoris, and vastus medialis with a free weight squat, but no significant difference in any other muscle group. Still, it was enough to conclude that muscle activation during free weight squats was 43% higher overall than with the Smith machine squats. Bottom line, if you can do free weight squats, do them. If you're just starting out, there's nothing wrong, wrong with Smith machine squats, and you can still get a great workout. I know for me, the squat machines at my gym are normally busy, uh, so I just hop over to the Smith machine, and I definitely don't feel like I'm losing out on my workout at all. And that's it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, family, and nemeses. And be uh, kind to yourself and every living thing. We'll see you next time.